they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. You usually see my faithful bride alongside of me, but she's under the weather. She has a, a bad cold, so she can't really speak, and it's unusual because she usually can say a lot. But I asked my good friend, uh, Dr. Scott French, who we just did an hour show on, the Terry and Jesse show, to give his little presentation uh, with a biblical worldview of miracles of the Holy Eucharist and tying it in to the Shroud of Turin. So he'll be joining me here to talk about that. And there he is, Dr. Scott French. For those who don't know who he is, he uh, is a doctor that uh, is very active with Father Spitzer, and he gives presentations on the Holy Eucharist and other presentations uh, that are very inspiring. So, Dr. Scott, thank you again for joining us here at the Bible with the Barbers. Glad to be with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're working you hard today. <laughs> I, I, I've got to give you lunch at least. <laughs> My friend... Uh, you have a, a presentation that you've given around churches regarding Eucharistic miracles, and I think it's fascinating for people to see how, you know, our belief for 2,000 years has been that Jesus Christ is present in the Holy Eucharist under the appearance of bread and wine. And so I'm, I'd like to ask you to share some of the information you found uh, with your trips to Europe and your studying of the Shroud and how it all connects. Sure. Yeah. So um, what's uh, fascinating is that uh, God loves us so much that he's <laughs> left us uh, He's left us evidence of the yes. real presence of the Eucharist. Also has left, uh, left us evidence of the resurrection and the Shroud of Turin, uh -huh. and they're connected. Um, and, and this uh, happened to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw this connection in 2015 when I was on first ever Catholic pilgrimage to see the Shroud of Turin. Mm -hmm. And um, we got information both from the Catholic Church and from this Catholic pilgrimage that, you know, it could be medieval forgery and et cetera. Uh, and when you're just a few feet from this 14 foot by three and a half foot cloth, uh, um, and it's exactly like a traumatized patient that I see all the time in the emergency room. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, there's more to this than meets the eye. <laughs> so I started doing some uh, research. Um, but this, on day two of, the, uh, of this pilgrimage, we went to uh, Lanciano, which is the first Eucharistic miracle where um, the host turns into tissue and the wine turns into blood. Now, again, this is in 750 AD. I've been there. Yep. I'm and it happened, it was a priest yep. who was doubting the real presence of, <laughs> of the Eucharist, yeah. uh, kind of like today, two-thirds of Catholics don't believe in the yeah. presence of the Eucharist. Uh, and right in front of this his congregation, the wine in the, in the chalice turned into blood. Now, they knew it was blood, but of course, they didn't have microscopes in those days, so they couldn't tell what it was and what blood type and all that stuff. But it turns out it's type AB blood, mm -hmm. which is the same blood type uh, that's on the Shroud of Turin. Um, and, and then again, the host turned into tissue. Wow. 
Uh, and again, they didn't have microscopes back then, so it wasn't really examined. It was examined a couple times in the Middle Ages, stuff, but really not until 1971 was it uh, fully examined. And um, what they found was heart tissue, that it turned into heart tissue. And of course, needless to say, the entire town of Lanciano then converted to belief in the real presence of the Eucharist. So uh, fast forward to the 21st century. So the first modern day Eucharistic miracle um, was in 1996 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, and the reason we call it a 21st century uh, Eucharistic miracle, because, you know, yeah, that's in the 20th century, but the findings didn't come out until 2005. So that's the first one. The second one was in Tixla, Mexico in 2006. Um, and the third one was in Sokolka, Poland in 2008. Wow. And then the last one, the most recent one, um, I mean, God loves us a lot. He's yeah, giving really. us like, hey, hey, wake up, you know. Yeah, really? uh, uh, the last one uh, that we have uh, verified at this point is December 25th, Christmas. 2013. Yeah, wow. Christmas. And on top of it, it's at a church that's named after who's called the Apostle of the North. He was in the, he, uh, he rescued the Eucharist from the Tartars who were invading Kiev at that time. Wow. And so, um, so God has a sense of, uh, of humor and all these are coincidences. It's just amazing the coincidences. So, so um, everything's linked in the Bible. And so we'll go through, uh, you know, we'll link those with Bible verses and then we'll go through the, um, the, the, what we have now, mainly medical, medical and scientific evidence that this really is the true, true body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Dr. Scott, I'm so excited that you're talking on this topic because for over 40 years, I have been going around giving talks uh, about the Catholic faith on evangelization. And one of the things I've done is I ask people when they come into church what they believe about the Holy Eucharist. And I've noticed for 40 years, about 90% of the people, young and old, do not understand the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, don't even believe in it, because they, they just, for whatever reason, they just didn't get it. And it always shocked me that there were so few who knew this. And I share this story because Jesse and I would do parish missions together, and we were up in Montana, and we were covering the different sacraments of the Catholic Church. And an old couple came to us and said, in tears, thank you for presenting the talk you did on the Holy Eucharist because we always believed in the real presence and then they were getting bad information from their parish that it's a symbol and not really the real presence. And to hear that that's actually what we teach brought joy to their heart regarding their belief in the real presence. And I say that, and really it's hard for me to have to share that because so many of us out there in the church have not been taught well about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And it's the source and summit of the Christian life. You're going to want to hear what the good doctor has to say. He's going to give you biblical teachings because this is the Bible with the barbers on the Holy Eucharist, but also... I think he's also going to give some personal testimonies uh, from his own life regarding that. And I just want to mention something 
from a little booklet called The Wonders of the Mass. Tan Book publishes it, and it takes all the saints about the Eucharist. And it said this, this was Timothy of Jerusalem. The world would have been destroyed long ago because of the sins of men had it not been for the Mass. Why do I bring that up? Because think about right now, we have cloistered nuns and men praying before the Blessed Sacrament, making restitution for the sins of mankind. I am still convinced. I think of the one in Hollywood on Gower, the Dominican house. I know I've been there dozens of times. And these nuns are before our Eucharistic king, praying for the conversion of Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, that should move us. And I think that when we realize that we really believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, we're going to want to visit him more often. And I think that when we realize that when we're at Mass, there's thousands of angels and saints there in the church while we're worshiping. This is all supernatural. But again, we have to have a supernatural look in life to know that, uh, that God is with us, that our guardian angels is with us. And I'll leave you on this note when I say the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. What I think Dr. Scott is going to share with us is his love for the Eucharist, but also some of the facts about how a biblical worldview relates to the Bible when really the Bible supports our 2,000-year history of a belief in the real presence. And I'm looking forward to hearing more. We've got maybe two minutes before the break, Doc, so why don't you tease us? <laughs> so... Um... Yeah, there's clues throughout the Bible. Uh, I'll give you one clue right oh now. All these, all these uh, Eucharistic miracles have heart tissue. So seven fifty, there's all heart tissue, yeah. and um, and um, there's a passage in Luke twenty two forty four, right? Yes. And that's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he sweats blood. Uh-huh. And the reason that's in the Bible is number one, Luke was a Gentile physician. Uh, but the real reason uh, the Holy Spirit wanted that in the Bible is because it's a real condition, uh, sweating blood, and it shows when someone is under severe stress. And so what happens is when you're under severe stress, you get inflammation of the heart. Um, uh, so when you're beaten about the chest or you have a viral infection of your heart and get myocarditis, yes. um, you get white blood cells in the in that tissue mm-hmm. well every one of these Euchar- these modern eucharistic miracles have white blood cells in the heart tissue uh-huh. and white blood cells only exist outside the body for about 30 minutes really and they're alive oh fascinating yeah this is good information yeah. when we come back from the break we'll have that and much more on the bible with the barbers i want to also thank all of you Uh, for all your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We have a new show coming out with Barbara McWiggin, Fight the Good Fight. It's coming soon to here uh, on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We couldn't do it without your support. Thank you so much. If you want to call us and make a donation, the number is 877-526-2151. Or if you want to go online to vmpr.org, it's secure there. You can make a donation on our website. More with Bible with the Barbers with Dr. Scott French talking about the miracles of the Holy Eucharist and how it confirms our faith. 
Alfred's faith and the belief in the real presence. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Actually, Mary is under the weather. She's sick. And my good friend, Dr. Scott French, is joining us for a second hour. You didn't hear the first hour on the Terry and Jesse show. You can hear it on the podcast. We're talking about miracles of the Holy Eucharist. And I wanted to quote St. Thomas Aquinas on something that he said about the Eucharist and about Mass. Thomas Aquinas said, each Mass reduces the strength of our passions. He said, each Mass encourages us to do good, fills our souls with patience, purity, and chastity. It makes our love for God and our neighbor grows and gives us the strength to suffer with patience in all our difficulties. Well, Doc, sign me up. If Thomas Aquinas said that about the Holy Eucharist, I have to say one more thing that touched my heart. When you're talking about Eucharistic miracles, I'm now 64 years old. When I was 14, I started going to daily Mass because I was taught by Bishop Sheen about Jesus in the Mass, and he said something similar to Thomas Aquinas. And I thought, well, it's just good time management to get to daily Mass. I need the Holy Eucharist. And I thank God that he's given me that opportunity to go to daily Mass. So I want to encourage our listeners, especially retired people, you know, yes, you can go on the golf course, but go go after you go to daily Mass, after you receive the Blessed Sacrament, because it is the source and summit of the Christian life. Doctor, I'm all ears about Eucharistic miracles. I'm You kind of teased us at the end of the break. All right, I'm all ears. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so we want to link it, you know, because again, if mm-hmm. there really is a God yeah. and he created a uh, rational universe that follows natural laws— uh, there's going to be tie-ins with science. And so um, so when you go look at uh, John 6, we all know the Bread of Life discourse, there's certain things that kind of stand out. And, um, you know, in John 6, 35, he says, I am the Bread of Life. So the Eucharist is not only the source and summit mm-hmm. of our faith, it's really how we get incorporated into the body of Christ, right? So right. so if so he is the source of life for us. And as we know, certain saints just survived on on the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um so again, and he says it again in John uh 6:48, I am the bread of life. Right. And then um and then this is the bread that descends from heaven it is not like the manna that your fathers ate for they died. Yep. Whoever eats this bread shall live forever. And we forget that the Trinity is outside of time, right? The time was created with the creation of the universe, mm-hmm. with the Big Bang. And, um, and so he's outside of time. So what we're seeing in these 21st century Eucharistic miracles, we're seeing live heart tissue that's related to the Shroud of Turin. So again related to Jesus, right? And so basically it's because it's outside of time. And remember, I just mentioned that the white blood cells only last 30 minutes outside the body, but they're still alive. And all these, all these places where they've been examined, that's the conclusion. They say, how, how did you get this live heart tissue? How did you get that? So we'll go through each one in, in turn in just a minute here. Good. Um, so, 
remember in Matthew 26, 26, when he says, you know, eating the meal, Jesus took bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to disciples and said, take and eat. Mm -hmm. This is my body. So remember, Jesus is the word and the word created, right? So when he says that, it happens, yeah. right? If you and I say it, doesn't happen. Nope. <laughs> but when Jesus says it, it happens. Yep. And so... So at that last supper, you have to think about, I love science fiction. So it's, it's a really kind of one of those time travel science fiction things. So, mm -hmm. so basically, when Jesus says that, he's acting as the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice, right? right? And so he's collapsing time forward, right? And now in today's world, right, in today... Uh, every time the priest who's acting in persona Christi, when he does when he does that, he is collapsing back to the Last Supper and 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 the and the Passion, and so we don't think of that and see that. There's a, actually a beautiful video that was made by a, a parish. It's called the Veil Removed. Yes, a beautiful. That's beautiful. That It really depicts what's going on, that we're celebrating at the same time that uh, that they are in heaven. And that's really what's depicted in Revelation. Yep. A lot of us don't realize that's what's in Revelation. It's, it's about the Mass and how when we're celebrating it, again, across the world at all times, but again, it's outside of time for God. So it's pr all present to him at all times, just like Jesus. So it's really important to remember that. Doc, let me just jump in because you're getting me excited. Uh, you're reading from John 6, and I love where Jesus uses the Greek word uh, trogo, which means eat four eat. times. He says, yes. he who eats my flesh and drinks Naw. My... Yeah, Naw. Exactly, yeah. Naw. <clears throat> Uh, uh, my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is indeed, and my blood drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And yeah, it literally means not a chew to munch. Some people say he was speaking symbolically based on verse 63, but they take Jesus literally in John 3 3 when he says, Be born again only once. So you look at John 4 24 in light of. John 6, 63, to see that God is spirit, not a symbol. I just think that's an important fact that, yeah, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. That's why, to me, when people say, well, I don't need to go to church. Really? What are you going to live on? Right. Well, and, and those, the, the, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing that people have to remember, the other the other evidence that's in the Bible, yeah. that it's not a symbol is in 1 Corinthians 11. That's right. And so re remember, and so whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily yeah. shall be liable to of the body and blood of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 11, 23. Yes. But let a man examine himself, and in this way let him eat from that bread and drink from that cup. That's mm. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, And then... For whoever eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks a sentence against himself, not discerning it to be the body of the Lord, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, mm -hmm. And then finally, as a result, many are weak and sick among you, wow. and many have fallen asleep. And asleep is a euphemism for die. Exactly. Symbols don't kill people. No. So, so either... This is not true, and 
Paul's lying or it really happened. Again, as we talked about before, it's all about truth, right? And truth is binary. Yeah. Either it is and people were dying back in that day or it's not true. And Doc, just a quick note, not to be <clears throat> controversial, but we speak the truth in love. This is one of the reasons why people who are promoting abortion, whether it's a public figure like our president or, or any of the other politicians, it goes right down to the low-poly like us. Anyone who's promoting abortion then, and you know that you're killing unborn babies, then you're not prepared with your conscience to receive the Holy Eucharist. And it just seems to me that that's a no-brainer. A second grader would figure that out. But it's biblically true. And the Bible really gives us a, uh, a real good teaching that whenever we receive Holy Communion, if we know we're in mortal sin, we need to go to confession. That's why confession of the soul purifies you and then you are able to receive Holy Eucharist. But if you are living objectively into the state of mortal sin, there's no reason for you. It actually compounds the sin of adultery because you're receiving unworthily, as the Bible said. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's a practical application of what the Bible teaches about Holy Communion. And then I think the other thing, and that's absolutely true. Again, we love people when we want them to absolutely get to heaven. To get to heaven, that's that's what the primary purpose of the church is: <laughs> to get people to heaven, not to solve all the social ills here on earth. We get, we're you know we're just temporarily here. Yeah. Yes, we're gonna we're we're gonna work on those you know all the works of mercy. We got to do that. But the real thing is we got to get people to their their home. And their, yep. God wants them back yep. home. That's Love your them. true home is 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 in heaven, not Mother Earth. Mother Earth is just a temporary way station. And that's, you know, and that's what the Eucharist is about. It's to get again uniting ourselves with heaven. Heaven comes down every time at Mass yeah. and we're joined with them. So, and the other, the other thing that really helps us understand that the Eucharist is, um, is really Jesus is remember in Matthew 28, yes. when he's talking to the apostles, he says, and behold, I am with you always, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. to the consummation of the age. Well, how is that fulfilled? Right, in the Eucharist. Amen. Uh, the why Eucharist. don't you repeat that again? Because I think that uh, <clears throat> that is a powerful statement that needs to be heard over and over again. Yeah, so, and behold, mm -hmm. I am with you always, even to the consummation of the age, Matthew 28, 20. Again, how can that be unless it's the Eucharist? And you know, um, I'm going to call you Father, I'm sorry, Dr. Uh, Scott, here's the thing. We live in a world right now that's very fearful, and what you're teaching us is really we need to look to Jesus Christ, especially in the Holy Eucharist, to have our trust in him. Jesus, I trust in thee, not the world, not the devil, not the flesh, but in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Eucharist is the guarantee that we will receive heaven. When we receive the Eucharist on a regular basis, worthily, then that heavenly food will take us on that journey to meet our Lord. So I think right. that we need to have a greater love for Jesus in the Eucharist. That's what doctors saying. And I appreciate that. And when we come back from the break, we want to hear more about the tie-in with these Eucharistic miracles, these modern-day Eucharistic miracles, and what were the circumstances. But also, I just think it's fascinating that the Shroud of Turin 
plays a role in these miracles. And that's one of the great miracles that I think the good doctor can share with us because I think he went there and actually witnessed the shroud and witnessed some of these Eucharistic miracles. And the connection of these things are outstanding. And I hope you, our listener, if you're a first-time listener, will continue to listen to the Bible with the Barbers because what we try to do is give a biblical worldview so that your view is not a worldly view. Their view is from the Bible and what the Catholic Church teaches about the meaning and purpose of life. And if we understand the Holy Eucharist properly, our trust will be in Jesus, not in man. And Doc, I'm just excited that you're here. I'm putting them through two hours. If you didn't hear the first hour, folks, you can hear it on our podcast, the vmpr.org podcast. Also, I want to share one more thing from a saint. This is a little booklet called The Wonders of the Mass that I share these things to you. And the good doctor quoted St. Augustine earlier. And um, there's a little comment about, think about this with priests. When they say Mass, St. Augustine was teaching that angels surround to help the priest when he's celebrating Mass. Here's what many of the saints have thought, that a priest has a second guardian angel. We have everyone here, we all have one, but a priest needs a second one because of the great dignity of his calling to bring souls to Christ. Makes sense to me, St. Augustine. The efficacy of the Mass is so wonderful. We're going to talk more about the Holy Eucharist with the Bible with the Barbers. Stay with us, family. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Actually, I just called Mary Danielle at the break, seeing how she's doing, and she can barely talk, but she's going to be here next week, God willing. And Dr. Scott French decided to take me up on my offer and spend two hours with me. Boy, is he doing penance. No, we have, we're having fun together. <laughs> and I, I hope you're enjoying him. He's talking about these Eucharistic miracles and a connection with our Catholic faith teaching on the real presence. So, Doc, I want to turn it back over to you. Great. So uh, let's finish up on uh, it's not a symbol. There's other uh, aspects in John 6 that Mm -hmm. point to this. So remember when uh, you must, uh, John 6, 54, as you said before, men, men, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. Right. Well, remember the disciples left. Mm-hmm. The disciples left him in John six six six, and and they left him. And then he turns to the to the apostles, and Peter answers him. You know, he says, well, "You know, are you going to leave as well?" And Peter says, "Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Sign me up." So the Jewish people understood yeah. that it wasn't a symbol because they were saying you basically have to be a cannibal. And remember their whole history; they were they were not supposed to eat the blood. They're supposed to drink the blood. They were right. supposed to. So so they knew it. And then on top of it, uh, once Jesus was crucified. One of the justifications the Romans used to persecute the Christians is they were considered cannibals. Yeah. So the pagans understood it wasn't a symbol. The Jewish people understood a symbol, but modern people have forgotten that. So that's it, it was never a symbol. And yeah. so, <clears throat> yeah. You know, that is such a beautiful, powerful teaching, and I still don't get it because we do read that at Holy Mass, but I just may think maybe— 
Maybe, Doc, there's another, we have to renew our reverence for the Blessed Sacrament of the Church so that I've had Protestants tell me that if you guys really believe what you just said in that Bible, why don't you act like it? And and I'm putting it on myself. You know, we need better reverence because that is Jesus Christ there. Yeah, okay, continue, please. So um, going back to the uh, medical evidence yeah, uh, of, the, uh, of, the, <clears throat> of the body and blood that we can see, again, remember we said earlier on that um, you can't observe an, a supernatural event, uh, but you can observe the effects of a supernatural yeah. event. You can't see it happening, but you can see it. And so and that's what we're really seeing in all these. So in the one in Lanciano in 750, and, and then after that, the rest of them from the 1996 and the 2006, 2008, and 2013, in all of these cases, it's a Eucharist, the consecrated host that falls to the ground and usually it's supposed to be consumed, but for some reason it's, you know, missed. Yeah. And they put it in water. It's supposed to dissolve right. in water and they put it in a safe place so no one's being able to mess with it. And they go back sometimes a week, sometimes a month later, whatever. And in all these cases... We'll start with the 1996. They see a blood spot. Wow. And they go, hmm, that's interesting. There's a red spot there. And then they get it analyzed by the local hospital. So in Buenos Aires, they get it uh, analyzed by the local hospital. Well, this is type AB blood, and there's some tissue here. You better have some expert looks at look at this. So they send they send it in, the, in Buenos Aires. They send it up to um, New York Um at uh, either Mount Sinai or one of the other hospitals where Dr. Zugabi was, who was a world-known uh, cardiologist, pathologist, microscopist. And they don't tell him where it came from. They don't tell him this, this was a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so he does this examination and he says, how did you get a living? Remember we said living. How yes. did you get a living heart? You know, is the Catholic Church into, you know, sacrifices and so um so uh and so because it has white blood cells in the in the wall of the ventricle uh and and that's again a sign of stress remember we talked about yes, 2244 and we have modern day evidence of 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 this wetting of blood it's called hematohydrosis in medical terms a woman was um uh, saying goodbye to her husband and children, and right in front of her, they were killed in a car accident. Oh, no. Just a tragic story, and she sweat blood. So it's, a, it's again a sign of severe stress when the capillaries of your um, your sweat glands they, they they burst and you sweat blood rather than you know, sweat sweat you know. So so it it's a true sign. That's why it's in the Bible. Everything yeah. in the Bible is it's a rare disorder. But again, Jesus was under a lot of stress, and he was also beaten around the chest too with the scourging and, and sure. all that and beaten. So so it's a real sign of stress. And that, why is his heart under stress? And uh, why is it alive? Again, remember, Jesus is outside of Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, is outside of, of time and space. And so, um, and so when they finally tell Dr. Zugabi, um that it comes from the Eucharist, his, his answer is, I don't believe it. Hmm. He, he couldn't believe it. Of course, he becomes a believer (laughs) and then, and then, uh, and starts and helps with the one in 2006. The one in 2006 is very interesting because on that one, same thing falls to the ground. They put it away. 
uh, it's locked up, and they go back uh, a couple of weeks later, and it's uh, and it's not. Um, it, it's again got a red spot, got some maybe some tissue, something's going on there. They get that examined uh, by the local uh, physicians and the medical school and the hospitals, mm-hmm. and they all come to the same conclusion: it's living heart tissue wow. with type AB blood, just like in the Shroud of Turin. Sure. And 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 it looks like the blood is coming from the middle of the piece of bread. Wow. <laughs> so. Then we get to 2008, Sokoka, Poland. Now, this is where God really is trying to help us out here. Yeah. Because in this one, what happens is um, when you look under electron microscopy mm-hmm. at this, uh, this area, you can't tell where the bread stops and the heart tissue begins. Mm. So at the microscopic, electron micro, microscopic level. And so these Polish scientists who are, again, non-believers, some are believers, but most are not, they go, we don't have the technology to do this. NASA doesn't have the technology to do this. It's integrated. So again, it's, it's caught in mid-transubstantiation. Wow. That's, that's what's fascinating yeah. about the one in 2008. So, so that's it's just, and again, examined by multiple scientists, multiple places, and they all come to the same conclusion. How can you, how, how can you, um, how can you explain this? We cannot replicate this. Um, yeah. And the same is true in 2013, the one on the neck of Poland. So two in Poland. So again, God loves us so much. He's trying to give us evidence because what does the world say? The world says, yeah, it's just a bunch of fairy tales and all mm-hmm. that. Well, again, how do you explain this? How do you explain these different, uh, these different miracles in time and space and it's living heart tissue with active living white cells? And in uh, a couple of them, there's already repairs on the heart tissue. So, yeah. so the Eucharist, the Eucharist is, is already repairing its heart tissue. It's, just, it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, doctor, I keep thinking throughout 2,000 years of history of the Catholic Church, these extraordinary miracles that have taken place, they usually take place because of a lack of faith at the time right. that was going on. And I think of our own time right now, we're acting like God doesn't exist in our culture. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's precisely what's going on. He loves us so much mm-hmm. in this day and age where, um, you know, 85% of Catholics who go to college, by the time they end college, yeah. they leave the faith because right. they're taught from day one. And we're now learning that this starts even in grammar school now. It's starting, it's starting in grade school that, that, you know, this is all fake and, um, and, and, and they're not told, they're not taught how to think, how to evaluate things. You know, how do you get to the truth? You know, what is truth? You know, logics, all all that. They're just not taught any of this. They're just indoctrinated. And so consequently they count that, you know, they leave. And so this is God's effort to say, you know, Hey, Take a look. There's there's something more here. You know, I, I love it. And I tell you, that's one way God operates. But I'll tell you another operation, the way God works sometimes is that he gets our attention when he takes things away from us also. Yes. And I think that we're at that stage right now, uh, knowing the culture that we're in, where we need to turn to God because really we have no other place to go to 
because the world, the devil, and the flesh is very disappointing. They have false ideas, and it's only the truth that will set us free. When we come back from the break, our last segment, well, holy mackerel, Dr., we're so glad that you're joining us here to help us understand these Eucharistic miracles and also the science aspect of it because you are a physician. It's fascinating to see the AB blood types and how all these miracles have the same a, a type of blood, AB blood. Now, isn't that interesting? But I know there's more interesting things about these miracles that you'll share with us in the last segment. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. You're saying, where's Mary Barber? Well, she's home. She's sick. But I'm going to take care of her after the show. I'm going home to see her. And she'll be back next week. The good doctor is here. What is he doing? He's sharing his experience with us regarding Eucharistic miracles and also his background as a physician and how it all ties in medically, scientifically, and also supernaturally, and also most importantly, a biblical worldview of the Holy Eucharist showing right from the Bible that the church's teaching for 2,000 years has been spot on and how God has intervened in history to give us these little miracles to wake us up. That's what I think he's doing. He's waking up a sleeping giant. Wow. Doc, one more thing. Can you give us the website with Father Spitzer where people can get his material for our listeners? So it's CredibleCatholic.com or MajaCenter.com. And Excellent. they both refer to each other, so either one works. And all kinds of books and resources are there from Father Amazing. Spitzer. Amazing. You know, Father yeah. Spitzer is a oh, modern-day Thomas Aquinas. So, <laughs> I mean, all sorts of resources, books, videos. Uh, and again, it's all free. Obviously, yeah. the books aren't free, but, you know, the uh, downloads, yeah. the videos, it's all free. Because awesome. Because we want people to get, is, get the truth. We want to get the truth out there. Awesome. When we yeah. come back <clears throat> with the good Dr. French, we will talk more about these Eucharistic miracles tied into the Bible with the barbers and uh, be with us share with us this presentation with others friends of yours because this can change people's lives we'll be right back now back to Bible with the barbers if you have a question or comment call 888-526-2151 here's Terry and Mary Danielle Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle is under the weather. She'll be back next Friday. Uh, we have our good friend, Dr. Scott French, filling in today. We've been talking about Eucharistic miracles. Now I'd like to shift into, again, this fear of death, because it seems that that's very prevalent in our culture, Doc. Yes, it certainly is. And and so, again, let's go back to the Bible and, and then see how the medical evidence uh, supports uh, that there is, uh, we shouldn't be fearing uh, death. So, um, so remember in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Amen. But instead, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. Matthew 10, 28. So again, we've got to remember that, so the resurrection is of the body, but we also have a soul that lives eternally. So the body is resurrected at the end of days, but the soul moves on after we die. Right. So, so, and how do we have evidence of that? Um, um, and I, just before we go into that, I just sure. also want to mention that, again, 
death has been defeated by God. Amen. And and Hebrews 2.14 kind of summarizes it. Therefore, because children have common flesh and blood, he himself in like manner is shared in the same, so that through death he might destroy him who held the dominion of death, that is, the devil. Okay? So now we're going to talk about the, the soul, how do we have evidence of the soul that survives bodily death? And then in another segment, we won't be able to do that this time, no. we'll talk about how the Shroud of Turn is evidence of the bodily resurrection. Amen. So we'll talk about that. So, so the evidence about how our soul survives is in what we call near-death ex, uh, um, experiences. Sure. And near-death experiences are uh, where basically... It's not should have, could have, would have died. Like I just dodged that bullet, or you yeah. know, I should have crashed yeah. into that yeah. car. It's this: you, your your heart's flatline, your brain has no activity. Okay, wow. your clinic, what we call clinical death. Sometimes these people come back, and uh, you know, I see these people all the time in the air. You know, sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. And what's interesting is is our children who have near death experiences. Yes. There's obviously not a lot of those, but 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 there are children that have near death experiences. Um, uh, and the, for adults, the ones that are fascinating are people that are blind at birth. So adults that are blind at birth. Ooh, this so the reason that's important is because if you're blind at birth. You have no neurons in your brain, in your visual cortex that have recorded visual information, right? So, so, so if a blind person can see in the afterlife, yes. that means it ain't coming from their eyes. No. <laughs> can't be a, it can't be neurons firing in your brain because the brain's not active, number one. And number two, they never could see. Yeah. So there's thousands of these stories across the world, literally thousands of these stories across the world. And one of my favorite ones is a person blind from birth. Yeah. Has a near-death experience. He's flatlined, his heart is flatlined, his his uh, his uh, brain activities is, is is not there. And um, he floats through the walls of the hospital. This is a he has an arrest at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And again, just like remember, Jesus floats through the upper room, so you know you're able to pass through. Sure. <laughs> so he passes through. He passes through the. It's it's a it's a tall tall building hospital. He floats through the fourth floor, and he floats outside the the building, and he sees again. This is a guy whose brain's not working. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have eyes that work, <laughs> but he sees a pair of red sneakers. On the fourth floor outer windsill. Unbelievable. Okay. Again, blind from birth. He's clinically dead, but he sees this. And when he comes back, when they re- he's resuscitated, he tells them that and they go, yeah, yeah, right. Well, they're there. <laughs> That's shocking. So, and there's thousands, literally thousands of these and studied by doctors and psychologists and they incredible. interview these people and it's incredible. And then... Um, and then children, when they have a near-death experience, again, flatline heart, uh, EEG is not working, they, you know, their brain's not working, they meet dead relatives and they come back, who's Aunt Maud? <laughs> okay. Well, what's fascinating is um, in both of these cases, when they come back, they have lost their fear of death. Awesome. 
uh, because they know, yeah. like we've been saying all along, this is just a temporary holding spot so you can get to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get, you know, you got you, your your destination, your final destinations, heaven or hell. You can choose either one. Right. And um, uh, and and they lose their fear of death. Again, this is what everyone understood in the first few centuries of Christianity is they would sing on their way to martyrdom. They would sing because they knew that it was, you know, when they were going to eat horribly by lions and they, they, because they knew yeah. this, is, this is passing. I'm just passing to the next phase. So we really are eternal beings and the world does everything to convince us we're not, right? Does two things. Number one, you have no, you have no dignity, right. right? And number two, once you die, it's over. Well, we have lots of evidence that ain't true. Right. So there's words to contravening evidence. We do have thousands, like I said, across the world, validated by doctors um, across the world and psychologists of how can you explain these things? And so, um, you know, that gives us hope. There really is eternity. And the other thing I like to, you know, um, uh, you know, as a physician too, you know, not a sparrow falls. That always piqued my interest Mm -hmm. because that shows you God's in charge of death. Right. Right. He's in charge of death. And that's so that so. Um, we really have nothing to fear. And so guess what's going on in our world right now? Fear of death. Fear of death. Stoke up the fear of death. And what does it do? It causes more death, just like we were talking about in the first hour. Huge increase of suicides, particularly in our youth with the extreme lockdowns. Huge increase in suicides with the uh, gender confusion. Huge increase in suicides uh, with um, abortion. 30% increase. 400% 400% with the LGBT. It's just, we're, we're destroying our youth because they, they have a lack of truth and, and our culture is not telling the truth. Well said, Doc. I, uh, I've really enjoyed these two hours. For folks who just tuned in, uh, Dr. Scott French is with us filling in for my wife who's under the weather. And we've been talking about this fear of death. We've been talking about Eucharistic miracles. Really, we're just talking about how to get to heaven, really, with a world biblical view and showing how important the Holy Eucharist is with our spiritual food for heaven. And Doc, I continually want to give people your website with uh, Father Spitzer because of the resources that are there. But if a parish wanted, someone listening wanted you to do these presentations at the parish level, how do they, do they go to Father's website to ask for you or how can they commu- or, or maybe they contact me what's the best way yeah they, they can go to the website and 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 ask uh, okay. for, for me to speak um, um, so yeah um, again I'm not uh, this is I do this all volunteer I'm just on the board for yeah. the Maja Center and uh, so I just volunteer my time because I think the truth has just not been out there and it's just important to get the truth well out. I appreciate you taking yeah. two hours with me to share the truth of the gospel with a biblical worldview on miracles and a biblical worldview on the Holy Eucharist. And I just want to thank our listeners. I hope and pray next week my wife will be back with the Bible with the barbers. But I also want to just mark your calendars. In January, we're going to have a biblical studies conference. I won't have the date until on Monday for sure in the speakers, but it's going to be a good one. And uh, just check our website, vmpr.org. On that website, you can pick up for free 
Archbishop Fulton Sheen's priest retreat. Why do I ask you to do that? Because I want you to give it to your pastor as a gift. Yeah. Say, Father, thank you for serving our parish. This is my gift. It's a about a 12-hour retreat with Bishop Sheen. And at the same time, pick up Life is Worth Living for you. It's Bishop Sheen's 50 half-hour shows. I started 42 years ago with that. It's a download. It's for you to be able to learn your faith because in the world we're living in, if you don't have a good grasp of your faith, your faith won't grow. You need to study it. Open your Bible daily. If you can't get the daily Mass, read the daily readings every day. Get your rosary out. We have the five stones of King David. We visit Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. We read our Bible. We pray our rosary. We get the confession. And again, an examination of conscience. I think the best one I know is go to uh, fathersofmercy.com. Come, they have a free download one. It's about 12 pages long, but I'm telling you, it's really important to examine your conscience on a daily basis so that we can live a life centered on Jesus Christ. Dr. Scott, any final thoughts before we run? Uh, again, we're blessed to live in this time mm -hmm. because we're called to work with Jesus and the Holy Spirit Amen. to defeat the evil that's uh, rampant in our uh, culture right now. And uh, you can you can refuse, yeah, you have free will, but uh, Jesus is calling us. That's why all these 21st century Eucharistic miracles are out there. That's why modern science is showing all the, the truth of our faith, that faith and science are compatible. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the, the lies uh, of our culture right now, lies of omission and commission, um, are literally destroying lives. It's really... At this point, it's not only a war on the church, it's a war on our families, it's a war on our children, um, it's a war on our faith, of course. It's, it's um, we got to have to stand. You know, like St. Augustine says, um, pray like everything dependent upon God and work like everything dependent upon you. Well said. I'm going to leave you with a Fulton Sheen quote about tolerance. Yeah, Bishop Sheen said, tolerance has degenerated into the indifference of truth. We're talking about truth today. Once the world gives virtue and vice, good and evil, an equal hearing and allows a vote to determine which will be chosen, there is no need to count the ballots. Goodness will inevitably be led to the cross. So when we are followers of Christ, we say without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. We must pick up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to share with you today on the Bible with the Barbers as world biblical view on the Holy Eucharist. I hope you can share it with your friends and family by getting the podcast to go to vmpr.org and share this with your friends, especially that story of the outer body experience. That story should touch all people because you're either going to say, this is true or this is false. There's no in between. And I would attest to you to ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day of your life so that your faith will grow. I want to thank you for joining us with the Bible with the Barbers. The good doctor joined us for two hours here to share the good news of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for joining us here at the Bible of the Barbers and all of the shows on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Have a wonderful weekend. And if I can make a suggestion, let's get the confession over the weekend, folks. It's good for your soul. God love you and your family.